teething. My toddler was sleeping much better than ever, but suddenly he's waking up several times a night and crying out. I suspect that teething pain is the culprit. How can I know if this is really the case, and what can I do to help him feel better and sleep better? The process of teething is a common reason that toddlers have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. Think back to the last time you had a toothache, headache, sore back, or stiff neck. Any of these discomforts can disrupt your ability to sleep, just as teething can disturb a child's rest. Toddlers can't always tell us what the problem is. They simply feel uncomfortable but don't understand why so they cry or fuss. Often this behavior starts long before you see a tooth pop out, so it can be hard to tell whether teething is contributing to your child's sleep issues. You can't compare one child's teething experience to another's. Some children have no visual indication of a tooth coming until that pearly white pops through. Others have swollen gums that are purple, red, white, or bumpy. They chew incessantly, whine constantly, and wake frequently at night. Some children have more difficulty with eye teeth and molars than they had with earlier teeth because of the location and size of these teeth. What are the symptoms? A number of typical symptoms accompany the teething process. Difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep. Fussiness. Drooling runny nose, rash on the chin or around the mouth, biting, mouthing, and chewing toys or clothes, red cheeks, rejecting the breast or bottle, increased need to suck, swollen, discolored gums, softer-than-usual bowel movements, evidence of pain all the way up the jaw to the ear. Some parents report that slight fever, diarrhea, vomiting, or diaper rashes accompany teething, but because these symptoms also may signal an infection or virus, they should always be reported to your health care provider. Mother Speak After tons of extra nursing, lots of fussing, shortened naps, and many awakenings, Malcolm's new molar finally popped through so he slept much better last night. My poor little guy takes teething hard, and it always disrupts his sleep. Why can't babies be born with all their teeth? Angelique, mother of 17-month-old Malcolm. How to help your child feel better. If you suspect that your child is teething, here are some things you can do to help relieve her discomfort so that she can relax enough to sleep. Give her a clean, cool washcloth to chew on. Let her chew on a teething ring that is either room temperature or chilled in the refrigerator, but never frozen, as it may cause cracking. If your child uses a pacifier, try chilling it and see how he likes that. Frequently and gently pat her chin dry. Offer a cup of cold water. Rubber gums with a clean, wet finger. Use a specially made soft baby or toddler toothbrush to clean the gums. Make frozen treats from apple juice, orange juice, or yogurt. Just fill a small paper cup, a shape-sorter toy piece, or an ice cube tray, and use a small plastic spoon for a stick. Or purchase frozen pop molds from the housewares department of your local store. Sucking on this just before bedtime can help numb the pain. Dab petroleum jelly or a gentle salve on her chin in the drool area. Breastfeed often, for comfort as well as nutrition. Avoid teething biscuits, as these are really designed for younger, toothless babies. Toddlers with teeth can bite off pieces that become choking hazards. For the same reason, don't offer hard foods like carrot sticks or apples unless under direct and constant supervision. The pain relief ointments for teething that are available over the counter can be quite potent. Put a dab on your lip 
and you'll notice a tingly, numbing feeling. The ointments can also numb your child's tongue and lips, and they wash out of the mouth quickly so they don't bring lasting relief. Therefore, use these sparingly and only with an okay from your healthcare professional, who can also tell you about homeopathic teething tablets, acetaminophen, ibuprofen, and teething tinctures. Sleep difficulties are most often a convoluted combination of issues. Teething may be just one part of the reason that your toddler isn't sleeping as well as he should be. So in addition to using the ideas in this section directly relating to teething, make certain that you are following all the other parts and pieces of your sleep plan. Children with Special Needs Our daughter won't go to bed easily. She has frequent night wakings, suffers from night terrors, and wets the bed. She has special needs, which probably create and complicate all these issues. How can we apply what we are learning in this book to our situation? While sleep issues are common among all children, those with special needs are even more likely to have sleep difficulties. Furthermore, they often require a more intense and committed plan in order to solve their sleep issues. Children with special needs tend to have at least one sleep disorder, says Dr. Stephen Sheldon, director of the Sleep Medicine Center at Children's Memorial Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. He explains that children with special needs often have health issues that contribute to sleep disorders, such as snoring, sleepwalking, sleep apnea, reflux, teeth grinding, night terrors, bedwetting, and insomnia. In addition, some children are unable to reposition themselves during the night, and some must deal with cramping and muscle spasms. Medical issues, such as tube feedings or the use of ventilators, can interfere with sleep, and some children might require all-night monitoring. There are, of course, a wide range and various degrees of special needs, and therefore it may be helpful to converse with your health professional and parents of children with similar situations. There's tremendous value in sharing tips and ideas with parents who have children who are similar to your own. No matter your situation, a number of general guidelines will apply to most families when it comes to addressing sleep issues. Define your child's sleep issues. Take the time to complete the logs we talked about earlier. These will help you not only understand how your child is sleeping now, but also clearly identify the sleep issues that need to be changed. They will also be important as they help you identify your feelings about your child's sleep patterns. Not all sleep-related issues need to be labeled as problems. Some may just require a change of viewpoint, understanding, or even acceptance. Many sleep problems are not at all related to your child's special needs, even if you may have thought they were. For example, you may have noted earlier in this book that the majority of young children are not self-sufficient when it comes to bedtime. They require a parent to get them settled into bed. In the National Sleep Foundation's 2004 Sleep in America poll, less than 1% of children in the toddler age group and barely 1% of preschoolers manage the amazing feat of getting settled for bed on their own. Only 12% of school-age children put themselves to bed. So if you've been thinking that this situation in your house is in any way unique, it may help to know that it's very typical among all families. Make a realistic, thoughtful plan. As you put together your sleep plan, be realistic. It would be wonderful if a few minor adjustments would allow you to say night-night to your child at 7 o'clock p.m. and then not hear a peep until 7 o'clock a.m., 
when she calls out a cheerful good morning. But this is unrealistic in any situation, and you would just be setting yourself up for frustration and disappointment if you aimed for that goal. Instead, be reasonable as you lay out your sleep plan. Aim for short-term goals, and as you achieve these, set a few more. One Step at a Time You may have a number of sleep issues that you'd like to change. Trying to fix everything at once may overwhelm you and your child. It may be more productive and less stressful to work on changing just one or two issues before moving on to the next. For example, if your child won't go to bed easily, has numerous night wakings, and wakes up too early in the morning, you may want to deal only with the bedtime battle to begin with. Once you've established a routine that is pleasant and consistent, then you'll have achieved a success worth celebrating. So remember to enjoy every small victory that makes bedtime issues a little easier to deal with. With a pleasant frame of mind and the knowledge that you can make good improvements, you can then move on to the next issue. Choosing the Steps to Address You have several choices as you choose which issues to begin with. You can either pick the problem that bothers you the most or choose the one that may be easiest to correct. For example, if your child is waking you up every few hours all night and draining all the energy you have so that your days are a struggle, then address that issue first and deal with that issue alone. Or you can choose a problem that is relatively easy to fix, such as the early bird syndrome, resistance to napping, or a change in timing or type of a medication that might be causing sleeplessness. Once you've had success with one issue, move on to the next. Keep in mind that gradually applying all that you've learned in this book will bring the best long-term success. There's no reason, however, to add stress to your life by trying to do it all at once. Focus on Routines and Rituals Your child may respond best when all her sleep-related activities are choreographed to occur in exactly the same way every night. A bedtime chart, as described earlier, may be helpful by involving your child in the process and giving her a sense of control over her bedtime routines. Design your child's bedtime routine to meet her needs, strengths, and developmental capabilities. If something seems difficult for her, or she's learning a new task, Choosing to encourage her independence at the time of day when she and you are most tired and impatient will just complicate your bedtime routine. Save new or challenging tasks for the daytime, and do what you can to make the bedtime routine pleasant and stress-free, even if it means doing things for her that you know she can do herself. Dig deep for more patience. Although you are struggling with the effects of your child's sleep-related problems, your child is likely burdened as well. It's possible that he's just as unhappy with his sleep disruptions as you are, and he's looking to you to solve them. He even may be concerned because of your emotions over his sleep problems. Children can sense if their parent is upset or angry because they have been woken up, have to change the sheets, or have to lose sleep to tend to the child, says Dr. Sheldon. These complex emotions can even add more depth and confusion to your child's sleep issues. So take a deep breath and take it one night at a time. While your child's sleep patterns may be frustrating for you today, there are many steps you can take to improve your child's sleep. It just can't be done overnight. If you present a calm, methodical approach and sprinkle it with plenty of patience and encouragement, it's likely your child will relax about the issues 
which will in turn invite more sleep successes. Ask for help. There are times when problems are due to sleep disorders that won't improve unless they are identified and addressed. If you've made a sleep plan and followed it consistently for several months without any positive results, then listen to the section on sleep disorders to determine if your child might be served by a professional who can provide a more extensive evaluation and specialized remedies. Even if you don't suspect the sleep disorder, you can still gain wonderful insight and ideas from a professional. Mother Speak If things aren't working in your house, get help and get it now. There are plenty of people who are ready and willing to give you a hand. Carol, mother and 25-year veteran special education teacher. Ear Infections Our toddler has been particularly fussy and is waking up much more than usual. He wakes up crying as if he's in pain, so we're wondering if he might have an ear infection. It's quite possible, since ear infections are common in young children. Their ear tubes are short, wide, and horizontal, giving bacteria from the nose and throat an easy path to the ears. Ear infections are often associated with the cold or allergies, which create more mucus in the middle ear. Two-thirds of children under age three have had an ear infection, and half of them have multiple infections. As children get older and their ear tubes mature, they will no longer be so susceptible to ear infections. In the meantime, an untreated ear infection will prevent your child from sleeping well, since the pain is more intense when lying down versus being upright. What causes ear infections? Ear infections happen when bacteria and fluid build up in the inner ear. This situation often occurs following a cold, sinus infection, or other respiratory illness, or in conjunction with allergies. The fluids get trapped in the ear, causing a throbbing pain. How to tell if your child has an ear infection? Your child may exhibit all, some, or even none of the following symptoms. It's always important to see your health care provider if you even suspect an ear infection. These symptoms may indicate an ear infection. A sudden change in temperament, more fussiness, crying, or clinginess. Increased night waking, waking up crying as if in pain. Fever, diarrhea. Reduced appetite or difficulty swallowing. Runny nose that continues after a cold. Drainage from the ear. Fussiness when lying down that goes away when child is upright. Difficulty with balance, frequent falling, sensations of dizziness. These symptoms should be discussed with your health care professional. Signs of difficulty hearing. This should always be checked by a doctor. These symptoms almost always indicate an ear infection. Ear pain or frequent pulling, grabbing, or batting at the ears. Green, yellow, or white fluid draining from the ear. A dry crust on the outer portion of the ear after sleeping. An unpleasant odor emanating from the ear. What to do about an ear infection? If your child is exhibiting any of the preceding symptoms and you suspect an ear infection, make an appointment with your health care provider right away. This is important because an untreated ear infection can lead to speech difficulties, hearing loss, meningitis, or other complications. Your doctor may suggest some of the following treatments if your child does have an ear infection. But don't try to solve this problem on your own without an expert's direction. Give your child a pain reliever, such as acetaminophen, Tylenol, or ibuprofen. Never give your child aspirin unless a doctor tells you to, as it can be hazardous. 
Keep your child's head elevated for sleep. You can do this by raising one end of her mattress. Try taping tuna cans under one end. Place a warm compress over the affected ear. Keep the ears dry and out of water. Offer plenty of liquids. Administer prescribed antibiotics or instill prescribed eardrops. Provide homeopathic remedies such as echinacea, golden seal, chamomile, or herbal oil eardrops. How you can reduce the chance of ear infections. Any child can get an ear infection, but a few measures can reduce the likelihood. Prevent the colds and flu that introduce the bacteria into your child's system. Wash your hands and your child's hands frequently. When possible, keep your child away from anyone who is obviously sick with a cold or flu. Keep your child away from cigarette smoke. Just one afternoon spent with secondhand smoke can increase your child's chances of developing an ear infection. Never let your child sleep with a bottle unless it is filled with water. Milk or juice can pool in the mouth and seep into the ear canals. Plus, it might cause tooth decay. Sleep Adjustments When Adopting a Toddler or Preschooler We are in the process of adopting a two-year-old girl from Guatemala. If everything goes smoothly, our little daughter will be joining our family next month. What advice can you give us about helping her make the adjustments needed for good sleep? Children adopted during the toddler and preschooler years have very different needs than do newborns or school-age children. Yet the available adoption literature talks primarily about infants and older children, explains Mary Hopkins Best, the author of Toddler Adoption, The Weaver's Craft. She goes on to explain some of the unique challenges that these little people present to their parents. Toddlers are a bundle of contradictions. Many keep their adoptive parents at bay through their anger, grief, and natural urge toward independence. Encouraging a newly adopted toddler's dependence and trust, while supporting his emerging independence, is a confounding task for both the child and parent. Sleep issues are common during the toddler and preschool years, and adoption during this time period adds an additional layer of complexity. Part of the process involves adjusting to the loss of former caregivers or creating the type of family attachment that has yet to be experienced in the child's life. Children who are adopted internationally have even more of an adjustment to make because of jet lag and the effort required to take in all the new sounds, sights, smells, and tastes that fill her new world. Adopting a toddler or preschooler is as emotionally overwhelming as bringing a baby or child of any age into your family. It will also likely be the most fulfilling and wonderful experience of your life. You can help your child most when you are prepared with information. So it is beneficial to read books, join an online or in-person support group, and visit a family counselor. Many aspects to this new relationship require far more discussion than can be had here, so please keep in mind that I'll cover sleep-related adjustments specifically, and you and your child will best be served by a comprehensive plan for the creation of your new family. In regard to your child's sleep, you can help her adjust by creating a two-part sleep plan for her. The first segment should be to initiate and bond with your child during the fragile period of adjustment without pressing the need for changes to her sleep patterns. The second segment is to use the other sections in this book to address any sleep-specific issues, such as going to sleep alone, sleeping through the night, napping, or waking too early in the morning. Learning Your Child's Sleep History It's not always possible to learn the details of your child's sleeping situation before he or she joins the family. 
When you can, however, learning your child's sleep history can give you some helpful background for transitioning your child to a new sleeping situation and may lessen adjustment-related sleep problems. Try to discover the answers to as many of these questions as possible in advance of bringing your child home. What time does my child normally go to bed at night? What things are normally done before bed? Brush teeth, read a book, change into pajamas, sing songs, play music? What songs or music specifically? What does my child usually have in bed with her? A blanket, pillow, stuffed animal, doll, pacifier, bottle? When my child falls asleep, is the room usually quiet or noisy? Is the television or a radio on? Are people talking in another room? Does my child sleep in the dark or with a nightlight? How does she fall asleep? Is she fed a bottle, rocked, sung to, or placed in her bed awake? Does my child now sleep alone? Where does she sleep? In a crib or a regular bed? What size mattress? Is the mattress on a bed frame or on the floor? Does anyone else sleep in the same room as my child? How close are the beds? Does my child sleep with a caregiver? Does my child like to be cuddled as she is falling asleep, or to be near someone without touching? Does she have any falling asleep rituals? During the night when my child wakes up, how is she tended to? Is she talked to, fed, rocked, or patted? Does my child currently nap? Does she sleep on a regular schedule? What time are her naps? Does she usually have a meal before napping? How long does she usually sleep? Where does she sleep? Is there a pre-nap time routine? Regardless of what you learn about your child's previous sleeping environment or sleep patterns, understand that it's perfectly normal for these to change during the initial adjustment period at home. It's also common for a child to appear perfectly adjusted during the day, but for issues to crop up in the quiet, dark night. Love and patience are the things your child needs most to become trusting, settled, and contented. Creating a Similar Sleep Situation If you can learn about your child's existing sleeping environment in advance, it can be helpful to duplicate it as much as possible. Toddlers and preschoolers are at an age when familiarity is soothing, especially at a vulnerable time like falling asleep. Over time, you will be able to make changes that better suit your family, but at the start, it can help your child to become more comfortable in his new home if the surroundings are similar to what he has been accustomed to. Learn about normal developmental milestones. If you study the typical behavior of young children, you would learn that many of the traits that seem connected to the adoption are really just normal childhood behavior. For example, if your child can't seem to fall asleep alone, you may worry that something is wrong. But once you know that almost half of all toddlers and preschoolers require a parent to stay in their room until they are asleep, you relieve yourself and your child of the pressure to conform to some imagined requirement. So pick up a book or two about the typical development of a child at this age, and you'll feel more confident in your parenting skills. Observe and listen. Your child may be newly verbal or just learning a new language. You can learn much about your child by observing her reactions, her body language, and her emotional displays. Watch to see which types of things or actions seem to help her relax and which things create tension. For example, she may visibly relax when holding a blanket or soft toy or become agitated when the lights are turned out. Take these as important cues to creating a comforting sleep environment. Mother Speak My advice is to open your eyes, your ears, your heart, and your mind 
and really, truly listen to your child. You may even learn more about her than she knows about herself. Anna, mother of three-year-old Maya June. Recreate the attachment process. Parents of a newborn are advised to respond to their child's needs on demand and provide holding time and attention whenever the baby needs it. This isn't viewed as spoiling because it involves love and attention, not material possessions. This same concept can be applied when welcoming your newly adopted child to your home and your heart, regardless of how old your child is. Don't be afraid to provide love and attention whenever your child needs it, even if she needs it in the middle of the night. The ten or twelve hours from bedtime to morning are a very long time for a child to be alone in the dark. Remember that all human beings have night wakings, and when your child wakes in the dark, she needs your reassurance and comfort. In addition, these quiet, undistracted times can provide special opportunities for falling in love. Consider co-sleeping or close-sleeping. Many adoptive parents report that staying close to their children all night facilitates the bonding process. When everyone's beds are in the same room, it's possible that hearing each other's breathing and night sounds creates a subconscious connection. For those children who are very young or who shared a bed with another adult or with other children, maintaining this arrangement is reassuring to the child. Staying close to your child all night can also make it easier on you as you respond to your child's night-waking needs. It will also shorten the amount of time it takes for you to arrive at your child's side when he wakes up because of pain, grief, fear, or a bad dream. Mother Speak I was told by my agency to do whatever my baby wanted and needed until she felt comfortable. Since she slept with her foster mother, I wanted to maintain that routine and help her feel safe, so I have been sleeping with her. We both sleep very well this way, and I feel that it has really helped us to attach to each other. I have treasured those special moments. Diana, mother of two-year-old Sonia. Close sleeping isn't the only option. Keep in mind that every child is different. Some children feel very comforted in having their own special crib or bed in their own special room, and as long as they know someone will come if they need help, they do just fine sleeping alone. Also, some children have always slept in a crib or alone in a bed, and they find that environment soothing and familiar. They will adjust well to a new place when provided with a comforting bedtime routine. Many children sleep well alone, but require that someone stay with them until they fall asleep. If this describes your child, you may want to place a chair besides your child's bed and read with a small book light, knit, or listen to an audiobook or music on a headset until your child is asleep. Just being there may be enough to let your child drift off to sleep peacefully. You might want to read over the suggestions in Mommy Stay, needing a parent's help to fall asleep. You should make decisions about your child's sleep that feel right to you, too. If you aren't comfortable with co-sleeping, or even with having your child sleep in your bedroom, there's no rule that says you must. Many well-loved and secure children have always slept alone in their own bedrooms. This is just one part of your entire family experience, and it's important that everyone is content with how things are set up. Encourage your child's attachment to a lovey. A lovey is a soft toy or blanket that acts as a soother to comfort your child in your absence. The value of a lovey is that it can be controlled by the child and held whenever she feels afraid, unsure, or alone. It can be especially valuable to a child when falling asleep 
or when she awakens in the middle of the night. A lovey is not intended to, and couldn't possibly, take your place, but it can provide a sense of security and consistency for your child. It can be carried around and used day and night whenever your child is separated from you. A lovey provides your child with a link to the feelings of safety that you give her. Keep in mind that your child may come to you with an already established lovey. That scrap of blanket or well-worn doll might just be the thing your child needs to calm her anxiety. So if your child clutches his special toy, don't feel you must replace it with something new. You might want to provide several new options and follow your child's lead to see what cuddly toy she chooses to hold at nap time and bedtime. Young children have strong imaginations. These loveys can seem very real to them. You can encourage this connection by making the toy sing or talk to your child in play. When you do this, it magnifies the power of the lovey so it can ward off any feelings of being alone that your child may have during the night or when he first wakes up after a nap or in the morning. Create and Maintain Naptime and Bedtime Rituals Bedtime routines are important for all children, but they are especially important for young children who are newly adopted. A formal bedtime routine can enhance feelings of predictability and stability in your child's life. It will give your child a feeling of control over his environment and his life. Knowing the sequence of events leading to bedtime will also minimize sleep time troubles. If your child is an older toddler or preschooler, it can be very helpful to create a bedtime chart or a bedtime book. This poster and homemade book will provide the added benefit of reinforcing your child's understanding that her place in your family is permanent and help her see her daily life as a predictable series of events. View Bedtime as Bonding Time Bedtime is a very special time. Typically, the house is quiet, everyone is less active, and there are fewer outside distractions. You can use this special time at the end of each day to connect with your child and find comfort in simply being together. Bedtime rituals will be important for the first ten or so years of your child's life. So take advantage of this nightly opportunity to simply relax and absorb the growing love between you. Night Wakings Your Chance to Be a Hero It may give you a new perspective if you view night wakings as a perfect opportunity to show your child that you will always be there for him and that you are his champion. Very often, when children wake in the night, they are a little bit disoriented and sometimes scared or lonely. This is your time to respond quickly to your child's need for reassurance. By consistently responding to your child's nighttime needs, you are cementing your place in his life as the source of his peace. Living with the temporary period of your own sleep deprivation is a small price to pay for a lifetime connection between you and your child. How long your child will continue to have night wakings is a very individual thing. Up to 47% of toddlers and 36% of preschoolers wake at least once per night and need an adult's help to fall back to sleep. So be patient. Once your child is comfortable and secure, you can move on to the second phase of your sleep plan working with your child to go to sleep easily and stay asleep all night without needing your aid. Begin with the chapter, Develop Your Sleep Plan. Ask for help if you need it. If your child doesn't appear to be sleeping well, or if you are struggling with how to solve any bedtime or sleep-related problems, enlist the help of a counseling professional who specializes in adoption issues. A professional will be able to provide you with additional ideas and support.
twins. Getting two to sleep. What is the best way to approach sleep issues when your children are twins? Since children in general are alike in many ways, every topic in this book that applies to one child applies to your twins. The biggest issue, of course, is that you can't be in two places at once, and this creates a unique challenge. With knowledge and a plan, though, this is a challenge that you can meet and overcome. Rely on routines. Having a dependable bedtime routine and consistent sleep times is important for all children, but it can be especially important for parents of twins who may already feel pulled in too many directions. A written routine, perhaps displayed as a bedtime poster, can help guide your children through the nightly process and keep things running smoothly. Where should they sleep? Together, apart, same room, different rooms, parents' room. As I researched the best place for twins to sleep, I discovered something very interesting. Based on the experience of parents of twins and the expertise of numerous specialists, I could easily formulate a credible argument for just about any sleep arrangement. There are those parents who swear that separating twins from the start prevents them from waking each other up, and then those parents who adamantly insist that having twins sleep together allows them to comfort each other so they both sleep better. The bottom line? Do what feels right to you and what works best for your children. It's perfectly fine to experiment a bit. If your current sleeping situation isn't working, try something different for a month or so and see if a new arrangement works better. If it doesn't, try something else. You'll eventually find the right setup for your children. And don't be surprised if this changes over time. Be open to different sleep arrangements for nap time versus bedtime, too. Keep in mind that as your children get older, their preferences and sleep patterns will change, and it's fine to make adjustments as you go. What Shaheen has learned with her children is very important. Pay attention to your children's needs and be flexible as you apply what you learn. How well are your children sleeping? Do they have a preference about where they sleep? If you take your children's desires into consideration— and combine this with their sleep patterns and your own needs, then you can come up with the right solutions. Mother Speak What we found is that things change from time to time. At one point, the girls will sleep together well. Then they won't, so we separate them. Then after a time, we start finding them in bed with each other again. My suggestion would be to have the most flexible furniture and room setups so you can make the necessary modifications throughout these transitions. Shaheen, mother of six-year-old twins, Aria and Rose. Synchronizing Sleep Schedules Twin children are two separate human beings, and each has individual sleep needs. To a certain extent, you can't force them to adapt to a schedule just because it would work better for you. The good news, however, is that overall most children in the world have similar sleep needs at the same ages, and this can work in your favor. In order to guide your children toward the same sleep-wake schedule, make your best effort to coordinate all aspects of their daily schedules— they're more likely to respond well to the same bedtime if they wake up, eat, and lie down for an afternoon rest, even if it doesn't result in a nap, at the same time every day. You can also encourage them to have the same sleep schedule by keeping their room dark during sleep times, brightly lit upon awakening, and by using white noise as a sleep cue and a way to mask outside sounds that could wake them. Pick your battles. 
It may be most helpful if you take the time to review each of your children's sleep patterns individually and learn what the most important issues are. While it would be wonderful to solve every sleep-related problem for both children at once, it might make more sense to choose first those that are most frustrating for you or that are most disruptive to your family. Once those things are solved, move on to the next. You may want to complete separate forms and outline the details for each of your children. Then create two separate sleep plans. For each plan, think only of the one child for whom you are writing it out. Once you have the two plans, look at them together. How can you address both of their needs while taking into account that you don't have superhuman or magical powers? Once you have an idea of a family plan, write it down. Create several phases so you have a map of direction. This will also help you celebrate small successes along the way and give you a glimpse of the nightlight at the end of the tunnel. Have Realistic Expectations Everything is twice as challenging when you have twins, and their sleep issues can doubly affect your own precious sleep. If you are trying to run a perfect household and be a perfect parent, you'll surely set yourself up for disappointment. Take a good look at your daily schedule and adopt these guidelines for yourself. Relax your housekeeping standards or get help. Say no more often to outside events that create family stress. Ask for help from those willing to give it. Accept help when it's offered. Take care of yourself. Eat right and exercise. Give yourself credit for all the things you do right. Get support. Quite a number of good books and magazines have been written about raising twins. There are also numerous support groups, both in person and online. Check into getting yourself some reading material and some personal support from other parents of twins. Keep in mind that while all parents of twins have that one particular thing in common, they have many different philosophies about child-rearing. Try to align yourself with like-minded parents. When you find support, it can mean the difference between struggling with your problems and being confident that everything you're facing is normal and that you can solve today's challenges. Allergies, Asthma, and Gastroesophageal Reflux Disease GERD Our son has a persistent night cough. He wakes up a few times a night, plus wakes us several more times because of his night noises. What could be the problem? What can be done to stop his coughing? If a child has a condition that causes him physical discomfort or affects his breathing, it usually affects his sleeping, too. Parents sometimes struggle with a child who doesn't sleep well or wakes frequently at night, without being aware that the cause is medical. Three of the most common culprits are allergies, asthma, and reflux, GERD. Unidentified and untreated medical problems can create ongoing disruption to a child's sleep. What are these health conditions? Asthma. Asthma is a chronic disorder of the respiratory system. It causes swelling of the airway, making it difficult to breathe. There are various degrees of symptoms, and the frequency of these can range from daily episodes to occasional flare-ups. Asthma is the most common chronic disorder in children. Allergies An allergy is a susceptibility to a specific substance, such as fur, dust, chemicals, pollen, or certain foods, that causes a reaction such as cold-type symptoms or rash. Food allergy insomnia is a sleep disorder caused by a food intolerance that can be solved by identifying trigger foods and avoiding them. Allergies are common. They affect more than 20% of the population. 
Gastroesophageal reflux disease. Gastroesophageal refers to the stomach and esophagus. Reflux means to return or flow back. Gastroesophageal reflux disease, GERD, is when the stomach's contents flow back up into the esophagus. A child with reflux suffers from heartburn-like pains, which will tend to be more uncomfortable when she is lying down for sleep. This makes it hard for her to both fall asleep and stay asleep. What are the symptoms? If you suspect that your child suffers from something more than normal childhood sniffles, it's wise to take note of all your child's symptoms and talk over the list with a medical professional. In addition, if either parent has any of these conditions, it's possible that your child has them as well, since they are hereditary. A list of the signs of allergies and asthma follows. Children may have one, two, or many of these symptoms. Runny nose or chronic nasal congestion. Coughing, often at night. Sniffling. Sneezing. Stuffy nose, especially upon waking. Itchy eyes, ears, or nose. Red or watery eyes. Puffiness or discoloration around the eyes. Frequent sore throat. Wheezing, mouth-breathing, noisy breathing, or shortness of breath. Snoring or snorting during sleep. Tightness or pain in the chest. Skin rash or itchiness. Diarrhea. Daytime sleepiness. Insomnia. Chronic ear infections. An increase in these symptoms after contact with animals, being outside near plants and flowers, after running or vigorous play, or when exposed to cigarette smoke. Here are some of the common signs of reflux. Children may have one, two, or many of these symptoms. Coughing or wheezing at night. Frequent spitting up, drooling or vomiting. Frequent night waking. Waking up crying or in pain. Making burping or hiccuping sounds. Bad breath. Gagging or choking drooling, constant runny nose, erosion of tooth enamel, recurrent ear infections, sinus infections, or sore throats, daytime sleepiness, insomnia, poor weight gain. Only a medical professional can tell if your child has allergies, asthma, or reflux, since many of the symptoms resemble those normally attributed to a cold, respiratory congestion, or other common childhood conditions, like teething. Symptoms can change, increase, or decrease over time. In addition, all three of these conditions have similar symptoms and can sometimes be misdiagnosed. If you suspect that your child may have any of these conditions, it's important to talk to your health care provider about your concerns. Tests can be performed to determine the source of your child's symptoms, and a variety of remedies are available. It's best to avoid self-diagnosing your child or using over-the-counter medications, since many would not be appropriate for your child or could even cause harm or aggravate symptoms. A professional can direct you regarding making lifestyle changes, learning how to avoid the triggers that cause symptoms, and choosing between medication options. If your child's sleep problems are related to a medical condition, it's important to have the situation correctly diagnosed and treated because any sleep success will likely be difficult to achieve, negligible, or temporary. With proper treatment, you can improve not only your child's sleep, but his overall health as well. If symptoms continue after a diagnosis and treatment, explore the possibility of the child having one of the other conditions or an unidentified sleep disorder. Snoring, the noisy sleeper. My four-year-old occasionally snores at night. What causes this? Is it something I should be concerned about? Most children snore from time to time, especially if they have a cold or stuffy nose. 
It's estimated that up to 20% of young children snore frequently, and about 10% snore every night. Snoring can run the gamut from minor, harmless, noisy breathing to a symptom of a health problem that needs to be addressed. For about 2 to 3% of children, snoring is an indication of a sleep disorder or a breathing problem that requires medical attention. Why Snoring Happens Snoring occurs when the soft tissues at the back of the throat relax during sleep and vibrate. A number of things can cause this condition. The airway being squeezed during a cold, excessive thickness of throat tissues, enlarged tonsils and adenoids, repeated exposure to secondhand cigarette smoke, health issues such as allergies, asthma, reflux, GERD, some neurological conditions, or sleep apnea. Sleep apnea If your child is a very restless, noisy sleeper, breathes through his mouth, and snores or snorts loudly, he may be suffering from a sleep condition called sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea syndrome, OSA or OSAS. Apnea means absence of breath. The most disturbing symptom of this sleep disorder is that the sleeper actually stops breathing for up to 30 seconds, occasionally longer, then takes a noisy breath. This is very frightening for a parent to witness and should be taken very seriously. But in general, it is not life-threatening and can be treated. The main causes of sleep apnea include a narrow throat or airway enlarged tonsils or lymph nodes, obesity, and facial abnormalities. Not every child who snores has sleep apnea. Generally, however, if snoring is loud or combined with other symptoms, apnea could be the problem. Conversely, not all children with narrow airways, enlarged tonsils, or excessive weight have sleep apnea. Apnea can cause significant sleep deprivation and compound other sleep difficulties. Continued untreated apnea can cause heart problems, high blood pressure, slowed growth, hyperactive behavior, bedwetting, and learning disabilities. What is the cure? The most common remedy for childhood sleep apnea is removal or reduction of the tonsils, adenoids, or both. Other typical treatments are enlarging the air passage, holding the passage open during sleep, or, when the condition is caused by obesity, weight loss. When to check with a doctor If any of the following describe your child, it would be wise to discuss your child's snoring and any other sleep symptoms with a medical professional. You should contact your pediatrician, a sleep clinic, or an ear, nose, and throat specialist if your child demonstrates any of the following. Snores almost every night. Snores loudly. Is a very restless, noisy sleeper and breathes through his mouth. Chokes, gasps, wheezes, or holds her breath in her sleep. Appears to be tired even after a good night's sleep. Sweats heavily during sleep frequently wakes up with a headache, has a nasal sound to his voice, and regularly breathes through his mouth. For more information, refer to the chapter When a Sleep Plan Doesn't Work. Setbacks Things had been going very well, and we enjoyed wonderful improvements in our child's sleep. Suddenly, though, we seemed to be going backward. What's happening? Oh, the amazing twists, turns, and surprises of parenthood. Children grow and change from day to day. They can be unpredictable, irrational, illogical, and downright baffling at times. On any given day, just when you feel you've figured it all out, your child changes the whole scoop on you, sending you back to square one. The journey to a good night's sleep is almost never a straight path. 
It's more like a dance. Two steps forward, one step back, and even a few side steps in between. It's also as much a process of learning about your child as it is learning about sleep facts and then applying what you've learned about both to bring about the best results. You may have started out motivated to follow your plan entirely, and then life's challenges disrupted your efforts. Illness, vacations, visitors, schedule disruptions, the birth of a sibling, and teething are just a few examples. When these things happen, and your child responds with difficulty falling asleep or numerous night wakings, you may find yourself giving up in the middle of the night and then berating yourself in the morning for abandoning your plan, an exercise in frustration that just adds tension and stress, which further prevents your success. But keep in mind that setbacks happen, and they happen to everyone. Figure out why. When sleep setbacks occur, it can be helpful to try to identify the reasons if you can. Check your child's gums for telltale signs of teething. Review the changes that have occurred in your household. Or do another log to pinpoint more clearly what's happening. If you can identify the issues, take steps to handle those things first, and then return to your sleep plan. Sometimes you'll just be left scratching your head, unable to discern exactly what's up. If that's the case... Simply start from the beginning and organize a sleep plan incorporating any of the solutions that have brought you success in the past or tying in something new that you may have missed before. Is it your commitment that has had a setback? Sometimes you just won't have the time, the ability, or the heart to organize and follow your plan. You may realize that the reason that things were going so well before is that you were consistent. But now you've become lax with the bedtime routine, daily naps, or other details, and that's affecting your child's sleep. A recommitment to your plan is what you'll need to get back on the right track. Is it really a setback? Sometimes setbacks aren't really setbacks at all. Sometimes the only thing that needs adjustment is your expectation. Are you being realistic about what you expect from your child? Have you been comparing your child's sleep patterns to another child who happens to be a fabulous sleeper? Every human being is different, and patience is a parental requirement. Are you experiencing a new problem? Maybe what you're dealing with is not a setback at all, but a brand new problem. For example... Both good sleepers and night wakers can be adversely affected by bouts of illness or teething, vacations, or schedule upsets. Perhaps his biology is dictating a switch from two daily naps to one, or he's ready to give up naps entirely. So while it may seem like a step backward, it's just one of those sidesteps that happen during your dance. Do you need to refocus? Have you taken the time to celebrate the sleep successes you've had so far? Sometimes being focused on the things that bother you will prevent you from seeing that overall, things really are changing for the better. Give yourself and your child a pat on the back for the good changes that are occurring. Is focusing on sleep problems preventing daily joy? At times, your child may be having wonderful successes and leaps in development in other parts of his life, but you've become so focused on sleep issues that you're not open to enjoying those daily triumphs and delights that your child is demonstrating. Stop for a minute and smell the roses. If you've been too stressed about the sleep issues in your home, you may even want to back off your plan for a day or two, or even more, and catch your breath. Should you use this time as a running start? Regardless of the details or reasons for sleep setbacks, keep in mind that even if you only follow part of your plan 
and even if you can't be 100% consistent, you will still see sleep improvement. Even a few changes in your routines and habits can bring better sleep. Then when things settle down around your house, you'll have a running start to really focus on your sleep plan. So take a deep breath, go back over all the successes that you have experienced, and slide through these inevitable setbacks. Have faith in yourself and confidence in your sleep plan. You will eventually achieve the goals you are reaching for.